This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube channels with Leonardo, the space pianist. This is the first time we've had him on the show, and we're glad to have you. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's really cool to actually talk to people around the world. You're in Italy, right? No, I, 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 first of all, hello, Phantom, and hello, everybody. I'm Italian, and I live in Malta, which is a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean, oh. not so far from the south, uh, south of Italy. Oh, okay, so you're on so that island. I lived island. here uh, five years ago. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. I, I always mess up on that sometimes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no So you are a pianist, a composer, and an aerospace engineer. We'll, we'll probably more talk more about the music than that unless you want to talk about that. <laughs> um, but um, so like you want to, one of your things in your write-up is you want to play the first piano concert on Mars, which is Excellent. probably probably could happen in the next 30 years. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm targeting 20, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. We're just trying to get back. <laughs> no, I but it's a hard one, thing. Uh, one of the challenges, but this is why the, the space pianist, because uh, uh, it took me some years, but I don't live as a dichotomy. My legs call it a double nature as a musician and a scientist. I'm uh, very passionate about uh, creating music, but also about uh, aerospace uh, subjects. So I, I dream to to be part of this new space era with uh, the first uh, uh, travels, human travels uh, to Mars, uh, setting up uh, a first colony there. And uh, I dream of doing, uh, and I'm targeting, so I'm not just only dreaming, yeah. of doing there the first uh, piano concert. I wonder a, how, a, how, a, space how a piano rea would react in Mars gravity. Would it actually sound similar or would it change the way it sounds? So technically speaking, uh, to to perform uh, a traditional acoustic piano in uh, the atmosphere of Mars would be pretty challenging because, uh, first of all, uh, if uh, uh, I would be outside, I would need to wear. Uh, yeah, you, wear a suit. you have to be in a dome. I'm assuming yes. you'd be in a dome, and the dome would <laughs> yes, would, would, if, uh, would mirror in, Earth. <laughs> Yes, now in a, in a, in a dome, uh, ideally there would be uh, something similar to, uh, no, similar, something like the air we breathe uh, here on Earth, because uh, as humans, yeah. uh, we are pretty limited in the selection of gas that yeah. we can uh, uh, keep on living. It would be like, like <laughs> and, it seems uh, like we'd have to build like an underwater dome in the ocean to kind of mirror what the kind of dome would be on Mars, you know. I think if you build a dome in the, in the middle of the ocean, as, it would simulate. As a concept, uh, as a concept, there are actually some um, since uh, some years uh, some simulations of building some domes in deserts, mm -hmm. like uh, also in uh, in the US. Yeah, and uh, the difference is that the atmosphere of Mars. Uh, is uh, like uh, roughly 1% uh, as a density in comparison with the one on Earth, plus uh, with elements that are not so human-friendly. Also, there will be a reduced uh, gravity. So for uh, a traditional acoustic piano, considering all the challenges yeah. to make it to travel till there, not only- You probably want a synthesizer uh, instead. You probably bring like an R, a, a, like a, like a Roland RD piano. 
just to make sure that you can that, play it. Uh, that uh, could be a, a trade-off as a first cousin. We will see. To have uh, a, a stairway grand piano would be would be nice, and yeah. inside uh, a dome <laughs> would be feasible. And uh, there will be also some uh, some changes because uh, I will experience a different uh, gravity. Yeah, I wonder how that would be. So, like how how could you put, would it affect how your finger because of the gravity? The, uh, actually, the muscles will be um, let's say oversized in strength when you arrive there because on uh, on Earth the gravity is superior. So. Actually, the performances should be better. Oh, wow. That, that be, of, that, and, of, uh, and, and I want to hear that. Being a pianist myself, you are a synthesizer player. We, you know, I have to play on a piano. Now, the, the issue is that when you leave, uh, you leave Earth and you are already like uh, the astronauts in the International uh, Space Station, mm -hmm. you have, uh, uh, after a period of time, uh, the effects of living uh, in zero uh, gravity, yeah, microgravity, yeah, let's call it uh, microgravity. So, different uh, issues related with uh, the space environment. So, imagine uh, the, the trip to arrive uh, to Mars. Uh, plus uh, the adaptation period. So there are, in reality, a lot of challenges. Yeah, uh, I wonder, yeah. Engineers and scientists. I, I would think people have... But uh, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, we, people haven't even thought about, like, well, how would you play guitar? How would you play drums? Like, you know, a drummer with their drumsticks, like on a drum, how is uh, that going to react? The bounce, the bounce will be definitely different. different. Yeah, they have to probably relearn. Unless, how you play. Uh, unless uh, you... Yes, uh, that and plus you can uh, redesign uh, okay. a traditional drum kit to keep, uh, keep it, yeah. uh, the same uh, proportion. Yeah. So heavier sticks, uh, yeah. uh, heavier uh, components to have more or less the same feeling. But as uh, humans, as musicians, it's true. Also, we are very quick uh, well, to adapt. We to adapt. Cases, yeah, once so. people get to Mars, all the musicians will adapt. And you have all these like Mars-specific like instruments. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But now we laugh, uh, we smile because it looks uh, like something very far. But actually, in uh, every day to me. 20, 30 years, <laughs> yeah, 20, 30 years can be something that uh, will be our. Uh, not daily view, but something that we can experience yeah. uh, inside uh, this uh, this generation. Yeah, I really believe that technology is advancing so much that you know I can see that. Now, the type of piano you have behind you, what is that? Is that a Steinway? What is this is uh, no, not not, not yet. Let me move not on. Yet. I, come, I have to mirror the camera. Yeah. No, this is a Petrov half grand, mm -hmm. a nice Petrov. But uh, I play looking at the scene. Now there are the curtains mm. here because uh, I am on the side uh, um, where there will be the sunset. But at the moment, uh, the sunlight is uh, yeah. super strong. So there will be just a huge amount of light and heat also yeah, yeah, yeah. coming through the window. But uh, just uh, you can check on my yeah, okay. Instagram or my YouTube channel. There are many videos with uh, the scene in the background. So my next uh, step is uh, to upgrade it to a Stanway D. So also this is in my plans. That's cool. Well, it's actually nice to see in this age of everybody using like, you know, computers to, re to record. It, it, it's cool to see artists actually using acoustic instruments, you know, that like I love to see, you know, people playing guitars and basses and, you know, drummers playing drums. And, you know, I haven't actually interviewed, I actually interviewed a, like a cello 
um, player and a, a harpsichord player and some other like um, classical instrument um, musicians. Um, but it is um, it's really cool to actually, you know, talk to somebody that actually plays a real piano. <laughs> and I love I love also to to record it uh, with home recording. And as a space pianist uh, here, uh, I have a core Chronos plus also mm -hmm. a theremin. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So in my music, uh, I merge both plus. Uh, it yeah. depends from uh, what I'm composing, but I also use uh, VST samples. So yeah. it depends on what I am working on. Yeah, I guess we, we won't go into the stuff that I'm into. I'm into the, like the modular analog world. We won't go into there. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, I, I'm sure one day since you're an engineer, you'd probably get into it. But um, <laughs> but um, also this is in my roadmap uh, to learn more about uh, modular synthesis. But for now, yeah, my knowledge yeah. is very small. Well, having a you having an analog or real analog instrument like a piano, they they gives you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because that that's a good enough. Like all analog tries to do is tries to be more like your piano. You know, mm -hmm. it, it tries to allow electronic musicians to have something that has that feels more natural mm -hmm. than digital because it seems more organic. Even though it's still electronic, it has some aspects that feel like an acoustic instruments, which is mm -hmm. why we use it because it tends to allow us to do stuff like that. Especially when it comes to like basses and horns and stuff, we can get sounds that are closer to that um in our opinion but um let me i wanted to show people your music because one cool thing yeah. we like to do is actually we're going to show a youtube video that we're queuing up um and it's for um your your seed island teaser and we're going to play that we'll put you on mute we're going to play it and then we'll come back and we'll ask you the questions that we sent you okay sure okay so i'm going to put you on mute now and then we'll play this
So that was a really cool teaser video. So I think that gives people a good a good example. What we like to do is on this um, this video podcast, what we couldn't do on the audio podcast, because we've been doing podcasting since 2018, and we started audio only. And the audio only platform didn't allow us to share people's music. We could talk about it, but people never heard any of the music that we were talking about. We were just talking to the artist about their process without anybody getting to hear it. And so what we like in this version is that we're able to show people not only that they can hear it, but they can see if you have a YouTube video so they get an idea what your whole, how you present yourself, which I think is, is a good way to introduce your audience. You know, the, the, you know, people get to see what your whole stage craft is about, which we think is important. So I wanted to get into the beginning of all the questions I ask every artist. So when did you first get into music? Like what age? I was uh, pretty young, let's say. I was uh, around six years old. Actually, I had my first experiences with music with a toy piano when I was uh, three years old. And not only with music, because uh, probably I had also already some... Uh, um, inspiration for engineering because I remember dismantling, uh, disassembling that, uh, that toy piano, so not only playing it. But I started uh, to move my first steps in music uh, between six and seven uh, years old. And uh, I fell in love uh, with the piano when I saw it uh, in a... I saw my first piano uh, in uh, the primary school that I was attending the first year. And uh, there was uh, this very old uh, um, upright piano in a, in a room that was not uh, so much uh, used. And when I discovered it there, I felt in love. So after, also thanks uh, uh, to, to my family that uh, supported the, the first steps, uh, I started uh, to study piano. So these were the very first steps. And after, I started, uh, let's say, seriously to study music uh, from when I was around 12, 13 years old. And after that, I never, I never stopped to do it uh, uh, every day and uh, enjoying it a lot. I'm 37, so it's two years past. So when you first started, did you start with classical? You know, were you trained as a classical pianist? Um, yes. Yes, my background is uh, as a classical pianist. I, I started with uh, classical music, uh, and I also in Italy attended the music conservatory. So I got my, my degree in piano. So a big part of uh, my background, of uh, my roots, uh, is uh, in uh, classical music. When did you try to start? When did you start to integrate like rock? and popular music into your style because you've taken like the classical background but you've integrated it with the guitars and you know as a space pianist it seems like you brought in like progressive rock that is uh, a long process that uh, happened during the years but uh, just to talking about the first steps i discovered um, queen when i was nine years old 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's uh, a good example. <laughs> <laughs> that's off, I, was, uh, <laughs> I I was uh, listening to like uh, innuendo. I heard the voice of Freddie Mercury. Was what? So it was like uh, an epiphany for me. And uh, later, in parallel with uh, classical music, I discovered Giostatriani, uh, the music of Giostatriani, Steve mm-hmm. Vai, also Robert Miles. That uh, when I was uh, in a middle school, uh, uh, gave me the first uh, inspiration for uh, more, uh, let's say, to be more on the electronic uh, side of music. So I remember I had uh, a very old uh, and entry-level uh, uh, techniques um, uh, synthesizer, but call it a synth is a little bit uh, an overreach, but uh, it was a very, very good uh, instrument to have because I was able uh, to start uh, to see the first uh, um, synthesized instruments, uh, splitting voices, uh, doing some uh, basic stuff that uh, later uh, I developed more when I discovered uh, Dream Theater and uh, Jordan Rudess, that was uh, another epiphany along my uh, path along music. Mm And uh, during the years, uh, I also studied uh, for some years uh, compositions and uh, contemporary music uh, compositions. So all of these uh, influences uh, um, helped to to become uh, what uh, the musician that uh, I am nowadays. So here was a seed, which is part uh, of uh, the last EP that I published, Island. And uh, is not uh, the only type uh, of uh, of music that I do, which means I'm always in this uh, uh, big uh, dome to keep the image of what I call uh, contemporary space music. But uh, uh, on my Spotify, for example, uh, uh, there are uh, different type of compositions, and you can uh, hear listen to also different type uh, of influences. So. Um... When you do, when you collaborate, have you collaborated with them um, like singers to to, to bring yeah. vocals into your music? Just to let the fans people know, like. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, my music ninety nine percent mainly is instrumental. Yep, yep. But uh, talking about uh, singers, uh, recently, I mean, a few months ago. I had a very nice uh, collaboration with um, Mariangela De Murtas, mm-hmm. which is uh, a uh, lead singer of uh, Tristania uh, on, of the band Ardus. So she's uh, a, an international singer. And uh, we met uh, thanks to Yossi Sassi, which is uh, the uh, ex co founder of uh, uh, Oriental Progressive Metal Band Orphan Airland. So for who is in uh, following that, uh, that uh, type of music, uh, uh, know what I am, uh, what I am uh, talking about. So they are both uh, top, uh, top level musicians. So besides uh, this and besides some other collaboration in the past, I also um, did a collaboration with uh, Aliki, which was uh, 2013, I think, the winner of uh, Britain Got Talent. Um, we did a collaboration actually also due to the first lockdown. Mm-hmm. But uh, regarding my music, uh, primarily, most of times, uh, it's, it's instrumental. Uh, instrumental. It is uh, what uh, 
what I enjoy most uh, and uh, what uh, I yeah. I publish maybe. I think it's like when I started the ghost stuff that I do, I I, I never had vocals. I would say like for the for, you know I'm in my fifties. Like the first like ten years of doing the work I was doing, there was no vocals on it at all. It was all just like ambient, experimental, progressive electronic with no vocals on it. And then I made a decision that like in order to get to a certain audience, there's a certain type of audience that wants to hear vocals. They won't listen to anything if it doesn't have vocals. So I said, well, I want to try to create this kind of more new wave, new romantic, maybe with a punk edge. Um, but I also noticed with your work, you work with visual artists, you work with dancers. Yes. yes. And that's, so have you ever worked with like, um, like, like uh, film directors or theaters beside, you know, to, to do backup, to do music for plays or for, you know, one act plays or for projects um, other than your own music? Has your music been used for other people's work, like, so, like visually? Uh, besides a few collaboration, but this uh, years ago, like a soundtrack for uh, documentaries, uh, uh or a uh, uh, commission for like uh, music for uh, some uh, some background music for videos uh, mainly when i worked uh, for a show for theaters uh, uh for that type of environment was uh, for uh, projects that i developed what uh, was in that video mm. is uh, a video from uh, a show that uh, i developed in collaboration with uh, two dancers a visual artist uh, and uh, a guitarist as a core team that uh, uh, was performed in a theater uh, here in Malta. So I, I bring my my own creations. So I'm, and uh, that uh, was uh, a, a show for uh, contemporary space music uh, with uh, a strict connection between uh, dance and uh, and visuals. So. Yeah, performance uh, art, performance uh, art. It, it's really, so when you play live, is it always like performance art? Do you always work with dancers or do you do it? Do you do performances where you don't have dancers or visual arts? So uh, not necessary. So is now around uh, 10 years that uh, in uh, different uh, occasions, I collaborated with uh, several dancers and uh, um, also for different uh, type of shows uh, on, uh, which I worked on based uh, on my music. Depends also from uh, the context, from uh, the uh, from the situation. But uh, let's say before uh, this uh, pandemic uh, mm -hmm. was half-half, uh, let's say for the live uh, uh, for the live performances, uh, like in videos. Uh, if you check uh, the uh, video clips I released uh, since. Uh, 2018, uh, there are uh, many times uh, dancers, uh, but uh, for example, I did a two experimental video with uh, uh, two people performing uh, yoga and acrobatic uh, yoga. Cool. So different- uh, Performance different art is interesting. I've, I've always been a big fan of performance art. You know, I've always been like the, the people I, I was inspired by was like Andy Warhol and like mm -hmm. Lou Reed when they had their collaboration together they, they, they there was a whole history in new york where they had all these experimental musicians like the velvet underground and then they had warhol and he'd have these big screens of his art like visual versions of his paintings um going up on screens and then having actors 
and dancers all participate in these like happenings. And then also like Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa used to do very experimental stuff in, in the late 60s and 70s with the Mothers of Invention where they would link up with visual artists and dancers in San Francisco and do these big visual shows. And I've always been very inspired by that kind of progressive nature of that. Um, and so a lot of the stuff I do is, uh, you know, inspired by that. And maybe I don't have dancers yet, but I've, I've always thought about <laughs> integrating what you're doing in, in a kind of a science fiction way. Because a lot of what I do is very science fiction based. It's very like Isaac Asimov, you know, Ray one, of, one of my inspirations <laughs> in life, Isaac Asimov. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, so let me get to more of the questions. Um, so you started, you know, with the piano. You eventually you got into synthesizers. Um, you got into recording on your own. So we'll get to the question about like the DAW at, at some point. But when when did you decide, you know, you learn piano, you learn classical music. A lot of times people that learn piano, they go and they play in an orchestra and they play Beethoven and Bach and Chopin and, you know, they don't write their own um, music. So that is a very kind of big difference, you know, usually between like a pop star and a classical musician, they tend to stay in in the lane of I'm only gonna play like classical music. What what made you want to write your music in more of a pop way that we were not just gonna do Beethoven and Bach, that you were actually gonna write your own compositions? So uh, I think that uh, first of all, uh, music industry and the music uh, scenario is uh, changing a lot in uh, in these years. Also, I. In a natural way, I try to see things without uh, uh, strict uh, boundaries. And uh, if we think, uh, basically, playing uh, Beethoven, uh, Brahms, Schubert as a pianist in public uh, is basically uh, doing covers. So Yeah, yeah, covers. And, uh, you get bored with that. I, I think at, any musician would get bored with that. <laughs> at uh, at uh, and uh, at the time of, uh, for example, uh, uh, list with uh, his concerts, uh, of course, uh, the level uh, of uh, music uh, performed, but also let's go. Yeah, you have to be to extremely. Stravinsky, yeah, you have to be I mean, uh, the level uh, of music, of course, is uh, much uh, higher, in my opinion, in complexity. Yeah, and. Uh, that, I think that's uh, the point. Then, uh, you're doing music. covers, but you're doing such complicated music that people go to see you like they go to see opera, right? You go to see but an opera. Actually, you can have also, there are incredible uh, jazz musicians uh, where you can say a lot of things, but uh, that uh, is not, uh, not that it's uh, easy music. There are uh, also metal bands, uh, which... Have classical bands. Yeah, classical bands. It's a really, really complicated So. It's true that uh, uh, I play every day classical music is part of my background, but also my routine uh, um, as a composer, a musician, the, root, uh, the roots for me uh, is very important that uh, are there to get energy, artistic mm -hmm. energy. But uh, actually, maybe it was because I started uh, relatively younger, so liking classical music and uh, uh, rock, metal, like a queen. Uh, but I think like, if you see, like, the, I love Queen because the integration of the piano and, and Freddie Mercury's mm -hmm. kind of operatic voice 
and then choices like in Bohemian Rhapsody to actually make it like make it an opera. Yes, make a rock sure, opera. Uh, that uh, is uh, a level of pop that uh, nowadays is uh, difficult uh, to reach. But in any case, uh, we can consider it pop and uh, at uh, uh, different uh, level music. What yeah. I think uh, is that uh, due to the previous century, mainly. Uh, there was a progressive detachment from uh, the musician, which is uh, a performer. There are, of course, huge performers around the world, but also the musician that is a composer and uh, proposes uh, his own music. He's so I always, uh, I always uh, supported uh, the idea of a musician that, uh, yes, does covers for fun or yeah, for... Yeah, yeah. His own study for uh, to have a um, historical insight, which is very important, but also in uh, in creating uh, in creating music. It's also true that there are excellent uh, classical uh, musicians. That if it is uh, asked them, uh, for example, to improvise, uh, are not able to do it. Not in my opinion because they don't have the competencies or it's not part of their it's not part of the structure of music you know yes it's a part of a of an attitude that uh, requires of course some time uh, to be to be developed so it's more uh, related to the mental boundaries uh, we put uh, we put in something and uh, of course there can be who decides to um, to specialize uh, in a historical study of uh, baroque music for example it does only that I mean, uh, yeah. there are uh, yeah. really a lot of possibilities, and uh, whenever there is uh, intellectual honesty in following a path, uh, I think everything uh, enriches a lot uh, the the world of music. Well, I think the thing and, uh, that's interesting about you know, music today, like I, I I call what I do call expansive sound, right? and the idea of expansive sound is like I can bring in classical, I can bring in jazz, I can bring in punk rock. I can do a new wave. I can do everything. So I don't want to have a boundary. So I basically say it's expansive, which means I can bring any genre in and do whatever I want. Um, and so that seems to be a lot of what's going on today. There's like, you know, mixing between hip hop and jazz and rock and hip hop and punk and rock and everything's crossing over. Um, so there's a lot. As humans, we try to put a lot of boundaries and uh, say, ah, this is uh, team A, this is team B. But uh, basically what you are expressing is uh, the concept of uh, MMA, Mixed Martial Arts, where uh, uh, thanks uh, to, to that, uh, now in MMA, there is uh, a real uh, mm. mix of different martial arts that according to the situation yeah. during a fight, in that case, uh, there is one style uh, which is uh, uh, better than another. But for example, MMA had the, uh, has the very good uh, aspect of uh, cleaning some uh, fake martial arts. <laughs> and I think uh, also, also yes, because there are some martial arts which are basically just- uh, For like, for uh, film. Being, being, for, for film. Being in a circus act, let's say for film, yeah. for movies. So the good thing is also in music. Nowadays, there are uh, some very talented uh, musicians that uh, um, create music can deal with different uh, languages and uh, 
Uh, also, this is uh, somehow cleaning uh, the, the stereotype uh, of uh, like uh, the, the musician that uh, only does a certain type of thing uh, that uh, yeah. Uh, yeah only like like I think it a good I think a good example if you think about it right in electronic music today when people say electronic music right they think like EDM techno trance right when I say electronic music I go back to Keith Emerson. Right. Mm -hmm. I go back to like, yes, Rick Wakeman. You know, I go back to Genesis, like, you know, Tony Banks. So my idea of electronic music is is like having a big Moog modular on stage with Keith Emerson with this giant Moog or Pete Townsend with his EMS on uh, like Barbara O'Reilly or Won't Get Fooled Again. You know, or like even if you think about Stevie Wonder playing Saturn on the songs of Key of Life. With with a with a famous synthesizer, the GX1 Yamaha, they created the song like Village Ghetto Land, and and Saturn. And those songs uh, on that in um, Stevie Wonder's album were created with some of the first analog polyphonic synthesizers. And the big difference with that is that type of electronic music was like pushing boundaries because when Stevie Wonder did Saturn, he could have used violins. They could have used the real orchestra. He could have had Motown do that. But he decided to do the, the violin sounds, the string sounds on an analog polyphonic synth, which didn't really sound like real strings. It sounded more otherworld because the song was called Saturn, right? So it was, it was trying to be Saturn. So if he used violins, it would be something that was like a known thing on earth. But the, but the synth had this sound that was kind of otherworldly. And that's kind of what I, where I kind of come from in the music that I do is the, the depths of what synthesizers can do. Uh, and whether they're polyphonic, analog, digital, granular, modular, whatever. It's, it's electronic music to me is the, is the source of the tone. But Not, if you think uh, uh, with, uh, I'm highlighting that I really love uh, the concept of wood and metal creating, for example, the sound in a piano, a classical instrument like a piano, a violin, a guitar is uh, basically an analog uh, synth with uh, a limited uh, range. range of sounds, yeah. Uh, yeah. sounds yeah. available. And uh, it is really fascinating when uh, electronic uh, developed, given what we have nowadays, which are huge possibilities because uh, uh, of course it is much uh, easier to manage uh, a, a machine electronic uh, <laughs> yeah, a big orchestra <laughs> to create uh, no not only that but to create sounds that uh, will be unfeasible or very hard to reach uh, with uh, a combination yeah. of wood uh, metal and so on so uh, also a, a piano has uh, its own sample yeah, yeah. The fact yeah. is that, uh, for example, I, I love to feel, uh, perceive the, the real vibration in the structure of the piano when I play, and uh, you get them back in your uh, uh, in your body. Do you so do you play with different that, uh, tunings on your piano? Because I know that you can tune pianos in very specific ways. Do you play yes, with like so alternative tunings? No. For uh, my piano, I I keep uh, the 430 and uh, the um, uh, temp uh, normal temperament. But 
uh, and I'm not fan of uh, the trend uh, of uh, tuning at uh, 442, so a little bit higher as a pitch for the central A. What uh, I, I did many times since the concert uh, is uh, um, what they call a not invasive piano preparation, which means I change uh, in an analogic way the sound of a piano with different objects mm -hmm. here and there on the, on the strings. It's true that marginally, of course, uh, an object affects the, the tuning, but it's not uh, like the preparations of uh, John Cage, where it was a heavy mm -hmm. uh, mo modification of the sound. And uh, also in, um, in Ireland, there is uh, one, uh, one composition, which is for prepared piano and uh, uh, synth plus uh, guitar, where also the guitar uh, uh, is uh, having fun with a different type of sounds that are not of a traditional rock like effect, uh, effect, sounds. Effect control. Do you ever like a, do a lot of effects on your piano? Do you like yes, run like this was the next uh, next thing that I was uh, going to tell. Another thing that uh, now I did for the first time in concert live, uh, I think uh, 2018, so three years ago, not so long ago, where uh, um, I like also to I, I call it uh, a hacked piano. Hacked, yeah, that's a good piano, that's a good term. Is, uh, I like that. I never heard that. Which, I mean, <laughs> Uh, is a is a term that uh, I borrowed from a musician that I really admire. He's a, an experimental pianist, Ron Minis. He's uh, based in Tel Aviv. Well, that's cool. Israel. That's good to know. And uh, he's a really uh, interesting uh, pianist. I will uh, send you later. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like to check that out. That's a really interesting music. And uh, he uses techniques different from mine and also more complicated, if I have to say. But I got the inspiration. Mm -hmm. And uh, during uh, live concerts for some compositions, I connect uh, a microphone, taking the sound of the piano to the core chronos, mm -hmm. that uh, also has a stability, latency is a very solid uh, instrument for that. And uh, I program uh, a, a patch where I have up to 16 uh, between filters, effects, equalization, and so on. So uh, what uh, comes out from the overall uh, sound system uh, is, uh, of course, the normal sound of the piano, but with uh, a layer of what it is, the so-called hacked piano. And uh, in some cases, I did also the step further, always merging with uh, the synth, doing a prepared piano, hacking that prepared sound, mm. and uh, adding a synth. So I, I like to, to experiment and to see what uh, what comes out. But uh, of course, uh, when I am uh, at home, uh, I do all type uh, possible of experimentation. When I am alive, uh, I choose what is functional for... Uh, yeah, what's actually... Like, show. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's a good quite thing because like... um. I know like being an experimental musician myself, there's stuff I can do in my studio, but then it's like, it, it might not be possible to do it live because it's too too complicated, right? I might yes. have too many things going on that it, it might be too unstable to, to be able to use it. That in, yes. a, in a recording environment, I can do it because I don't have to worry because I can get back to it. But like if I have to do a live performance and I'm running, filters and the envelopes and the, and the, you know, and the random voltage generators and doing all this stuff that's very complicated in our, the modular kind of world is we can go crazy down the rabbit hole with all these triggers, 
we can yes. create triggers that trigger another trigger that's another trigger yes. if you know like your your aerospace technology like if you get into algorithms and you just keep on building them and you become like totally crazy right so the idea the problem is that if something goes wrong alive uh, yeah, the, the bug in, uh, in real time is uh, something that uh, really well, don't yeah. recommend. Well, the problem with like some of these analog things is that they can get really hot, right? The, they, the mm -hmm. volume could go and and kind of blow things up, right? So if you if you're playing with very experimental stuff, the range on on your base could go so low it could blow something out. Your your you could go real so high that you could blow something out. So, so you don't, you, you got to be careful with, with, with what you do because the, the limitations on some of the analog stuff is kind of like, well, it's not like it's a, a Kronos. Mm -hmm. You're kind of taking a raw oscillator and you're doing whatever you want and there's no computer control in what it's doing. So if you go too crazy with all the permutations, you, you can blow things out. <laughs> but um, you just got to be careful. But uh it's interesting that you've you you kind of taken some trigger ideas of, of taking that into your hack piano into your chronos that running through like the signal chain and getting different effects to happen that's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool and i would i i imagine that when you called yourself the space pianist that you were going to use some electronic music capabilities to hack your piano or alter your piano sound mm -hmm. Yes, uh, this is uh, the, the direction that uh, I am uh, having uh, about one in the last three years, uh, and this merge uh, between uh, the traditional piano that uh, I, I still, lo still love uh, as a main uh, source for uh, when I play, because also for the physical uh, mm -hmm. uh, sensations, plus all the uh, electronic part, and of course in a studio production, uh, the flexibility is uh, much uh, much higher also in uh, managing the sounds. So I like to ask um, people who their influences are and their reference points. Now I know you wrote them down, but we're gonna ask you like the, the talk about, we already talked about Queen was an inspiration and you talked about some of the other artists that you, um, I think you said like, uh, like uh, you'd mentioned like Steve Vai uh, and Robert Miles. Um, so maybe you can talk uh, about as a starting starting point uh, now in many years uh, in music uh, influ influences are actually a lot i mean i i think i am a very open uh, since uh, always uh, in listening a uh, lot of different type of musicians uh, composers and so on if i wanted to to say which is my main influence uh, is uh, uh, more than a musician actually for me is uh, the only gold that i recognize which is uh, Johann sebastian bach and mm -hmm. uh, the impact that uh, in my opinion bach has uh, still nowadays uh, is huge so uh, it is uh, a only composer yeah. On, only composer that literally every day I, I play some of uh, so that's how you stuff. warm up you practice that's how you you play Bach to warm up or get yourself in the zone when before yes, you do uh, I every day I target to have uh, a session of uh, dedicated to classical music both for the technique but also for my personal uh, development mm -hmm. and, uh, because also plan. training as a classical musician uh, uh, 
as uh, some insights of item opinion, uh, you don't have uh, following uh, other streams only. Yeah. Uh, and um, so Bach is uh, uh, the only constant. Later, I can uh, decide to switch between Beethoven, uh, Debussy, Schubert, mm -hmm. uh, Mozart, and so on, according also to what uh, I'm focusing on uh, in a certain period or not. But uh, Bach is always constant. Plus, uh, uh, from a classical uh, side of view, when I was uh, younger, but not only Beethoven had uh, great influence, uh, Brahms, uh, later when I was uh, more grown up, I discovered, uh, uh, really discovered uh, the amazing music of Stravinsky, but mm -hmm. also Ligeti, Arvo Part, which is a contemporary composer that is really groundbreaking with what uh, uh, he created and is uh, still creating. On the other side, of course, as a teenager, I was listening to a lot of uh, rock, uh, progressive rock. So we already mentioned the uh, uh, Satrani, Steve Bay, the yeah. Theater, Queen. I mean, to 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 start, but uh, uh, still now I listen to very very heavy metal uh, bands, mm -hmm. which uh, are not. Uh, I mean. Not the usual uh, metal band, right? I, because I guess uh, you hear many times mentioned uh, Metallica, mm -hmm. but uh, not only I, I have uh, some very heavy listening on that. I also regarding uh, jazz, uh, I got another epiphany when uh, I discovered uh, Thelonious Monk. Oh, Monk. Uh, yeah, Monk's uh, awesome. I'm kind of a big fan of an American band called Sun Ra. And we've heard of Sun, Sun, okay. Sun Ra, I'm very much into because they're kind of, they're not highly known, right? So they're piece. I know them, I know them. You know them, but I mean, but they're, 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 they're critics love them, right? But not everybody in the jazz community knows their pieces like they know Monk or they know Miles or they know Coltrane. They, mm -hmm. they you know, it, it's kind of like an underground, like critics love them. The critics mm -hmm. think they're awesome, but not everybody in the public knows all their pieces. And, you know, they kind of, I've been very inspired by them because I, they were actually, I don't know if you know, they were one of the first um, jazz bands to actually get a Moog in the, in the late 50s. Robert Moog actually asked them if they wanted to use his first, one of his first invented Moogs. Um, and, and they were one of the only like jazz bands that looked at it and said, okay, yeah, we can do that. A lot of jazz bands looked at them and said, well, we don't want this because it's not real, right? So they were like, they, nobody wanted it, but Sun Ra was willing to look at it and they actually incorporated it into their music in the late fifties, um, which nobody else had done that. And that was, it was a big inspiration to me because if I, when I listened to those pieces, um, it's like the first use of synthesizer in a jazz band. And it's really incredible because it's the, how they approached it was totally different than anybody else. It's like the first band to do it. And they, they just came at it at a different angle uh, than anybody like, before Herbie Hancock. This is like way before Herbie Hancock. And he's like known for it. But Sunrod did it in the late 50s. He did it in the 70s. You know, so this is a this is way ahead of that. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where my head's at, but um, <laughs> but um, so, so nowadays, uh, if uh, I check to to my playlist, uh, 
I mean, if I check it to the, the last uh, last week, I am uh, switching uh, between um, Brahms, uh, Schubert. Uh, I was listening also the um, symphonies of uh, Sibelius, uh, the light, latest album of uh, Gojira. Uh, wow. you're, into you're, 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 you're a true, true devotee of the, of the craft. <laughs> Chikoria, I mean, uh, oh, God, and, and, uh, Korea. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. My, yes, and uh, yes, and uh, fortunately, I mean, I saw him alive uh, like uh, three, oh, you Malta, did? three years ago, and uh, when awesome. I saw that uh, he, he left. Uh, this uh, this planet I was uh, pretty sad to yeah yeah but to lose a guy such, like, like that like that you such, know it's like... uh, such a great musician and, uh, also I mean it happened with also other great musicians but uh, having the opportunity to to see him live I saw him live also at the Blue Note uh, in Milano is uh, something really touching and uh, Vera at least personally I understand why. A great musician is a great musician because yeah, like uh, I saw, there are a yeah, lot yeah. of nuances, uh, details uh, that makes the difference from, uh, let's say, a normal a human musician and uh, the yeah. I think that, I think my good example of that is I actually saw Prince like three times, okay. right? And and okay. he and he's an amazing multi instrument player. Right? He can play drums really well people didn't realize how good he can play drums he can play you know the bass as good as like bootsy collins he could play you know okay. keyboards almost as good as like stevie wonder uh and 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 and, and think of his he created like the minneapolis funk sound which right is a is a variation of parliament funkadelic and james brown and sly and the family stone so it wasn't like he invented funk but he took something that existed in funk and reworked it to be yeah, like funk, funk bands would do like 10, 15 minute songs. He was able to take funk and, and bring it down to like a three, four minute pop song that actually was like more advanced than what most pop songs are. In terms of the rhythmic structure, it was something new. It was a variation in funk. That's like the way James Brown created like the funk idea it's a different timing structure than what most music is uh, and for and so that to have a guy at that level and i saw him play at paisley park his house his studio okay. and he could channel you know santana he could channel hendrix and then he had his own style and it was like a mixture of all that and i'd see him it was like a three piece like uh rock outfit like just a bass player and a drummer right and he could play heavy heavy rock blues based rock stevie ray vaughn hendrixian type of rock he could do it and then he could jump on a piano and play really awesome like chord progressions that were like motown songs and then he could go on a synthesizer and play stuff at a level i've never seen anybody play before so it's like the being able to jump on so many different instruments and then have a range on his voice where he had a really good range, really high falsetto, good mid range, good low range. And I just never seen somebody have that level of skill before. Okay. As now that you are talking, uh, some uh, of the musicians that touched my 
my heart came up to my mind while you were talking about these these inspirations and it is also why i every day i i'm into the music my music project is called nulo diesine nota which is latin for not a day without a note is my own project the, my main music project since 2006 and it is also thanks to inspirations like the one that we mentioned that every day i am happy to do music till now i never got bored one single day so mm -hmm. well i think it's awesome to be able to um you know as a creative person create your own you know craft to actually you know, because not everybody has the ability to create music. Not everybody is a creative person. And it's it's interesting, you know, where people ask, I've, I've asked people like, you know, do you feel <clears throat> that you get your inspiration from like a muse? Like, you know, poets talked about like there's this muse, right? This universal idea that if you're a poet, that you pick up on these ideas that's just out in the universe. You just pick it up, right? And you pull it into you can channel it spirit uh, so-called spirit of time i don't know how to render yeah 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 do you but, feel uh, that do you feel that or do you feel it's a lot from practice is no, everything you're getting sure, from practice sure, i would like uh not for you because uh, you already know but for who is listening and maybe is not a an artist a musician uh, i would like uh also from from myself to the bust the myth that uh uh, creativity inspiration comes just uh, like uh, a, a gift. It uh, the um, creativity, yes, uh, is a gift, but uh, it can't uh, uh, come to this world without uh, a craft, uh, a consistency that you build up in the years uh, and every day. So uh, magic, uh, in my opinion, doesn't happen uh, just because of magic. Uh, as uh, also at every level, uh, because uh, everyone has a different level. I'm not talking just uh, yeah. about the huge names in uh, the world of art, but to to create, uh, it is uh, a grueling process uh, yeah. of uh, being there every day and uh, learn the craft and improve uh, the metaphorical one percent more every day. And after uh, 1,000 days, you can look back and see this, uh, this improvement. And uh, uh, basically, you learn and develop a language that uh, allows uh, to, to express yourself. Regarding the inspiration, uh, I think that, uh, of course, uh, we are uh, not, uh, a, no one is, uh, uh, no man is an island. We are not a standalone uh, system. We have uh, the influences from everywhere, mm -hmm. and above all, in this uh, digital uh, uh, society, we are exposed to all sorts of inputs, and also for the brain, it's difficult to, to filter. So when we see some type of art emerging uh, in the world, uh, I think it's even more than in the past uh, that there is, uh, let's say, something in the air that every artist uh, yeah. elaborates according to his own uh, sensitivity. Talking about from where uh, idea comes, uh, human brain is uh, a very fascinating and uh, super complex, uh, most likely the most complex mechanism that uh, we know of. So it's like the brain uh, trying to understand uh, itself. Yeah. And uh, probably in this process, uh, we, we create art uh, 
and uh, in this uh, art there is also the big uh, stream of uh, of music uh, this is uh, how i see what how i see things is a way to try to explain it. it's hard to explain, to explain it. yeah beyond. well i think i think it's like i think a lot of people would say like you know james brown he, they he said that, like his craft because he worked hard he basically said he was the hardest working person in show business because he had it's like you know if you're an athlete right if you're an athlete you have muscle memory because you practice right Yes. So you you're, like you practice that three point shot. You practice trying to do the home run, right? You like you practice your skill. I think every musician has that kind of muscle memory. Like if you're a guitar player, you practice so much it becomes like you don't have to look at the guitar. If you're a piano player, you you, you don't even have to look at it. You just know it, right? Because you have the muscle memory. You just been doing it, and you just got the skill set. So you the things that you learn. And then what happens like with creativity, what I like to do is like these stream of consciousness, like just jam sessions with myself, right? I'll just put the recorder on and I'll just go to my, my, my synthesizers and just start playing and record it. And I don't know where I'm gonna go because in my head, I might have a John Coltrane sax line in my head, in my subconscious, and it might come out of my synth because it was I was thinking about it, right? Or I might pull, uh, a chord arrangement that was like from the Beatles, and it because it's in my head, and it just pops in at some and point. It was something that uh, entered in your brain like uh, ten years earlier, and yeah, it just pops in. Or... Yeah, but you have no idea when these things pop in. But I think musicians, I think we are good listeners. We listen to our gut, right? So if you're a musician, what I tend to have, 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 have kind of figured out is like. You, when you're a really good musician, you just let yourself kind of just be open to whatever is, is coming. Like you listen to a drummer, right? You're playing with a drummer and then suddenly, okay, I know what goes with that, right? You listen to the singer, you know how to put a chord arrangement around the singer's voice. You just like, you start to just figure out things and you can just, you go with what your gut tells you or what your ear tells you. And you, you learn how to fit things together and you can do it in a way where you don't have to necessarily stop and start and stop and start. Like I played a lot of jazz with a lot of jazz guys, right? And we just kind of jump into something and we kind of go, we all go off and then we come back. The, the idea in jazz is that you'll have a theme, right? You'll do the theme and then you go off and you kind of solo and then you come back to the theme. You could change the time signature, you could change the key, you just bounce around but everybody knows when to come back to the main theme and then come go back out and come back in. And it just, it, it feels really cool when you're with people who can actually play that. <laughs> they, they know how to, like if I play with that drummer, he, he, he'll follow me. If I play with a bass player, he'll follow me or I'll follow him or the horn player will follow me or I'll follow him. And it's, it's kind of like an unwritten language. You look at them, you nod your head, you do it, the people just kind of know. And I think maybe that's the thing. Maybe classical musicians have a harder time doing that because they don't do that. But but you know, rock musicians and jam band and jazz I'm, musicians. Uh, for example, really grateful when uh, since we when I was a teenager, I did a lot of jams, babola uh, with uh, rock metal uh, musicians because that really helped me to open more my my mind. Yeah. And, uh, um, an example of building the, the craft and the feeling is following the so-called gut feeling. It happened recently because um, 
Uh, on uh, on Wednesday, there will be a new release, a single, and it is uh, an experimental uh, creation done with uh, what for me is a God-level drummer, Marco Minaman, which uh, for me is a really one of the best drummers that uh, I also listen to, but also saw live. Uh, and uh, I saw also Billy Cobham live, so I'm <laughs> mm -hmm. I have... Uh, Parisos, but Marco Mina is a really a great musician. And um, this uh, composition composition that I'm uh, releasing uh, on Wednesday uh, was born from uh, basically a, a jam because I did uh, an improvisation at, uh, at the drum. Very, very experimental. Cool. And uh, I put uh, my, the piano and synth and effects uh, and when I was uh, creating uh, on it, uh, the, the inspiration uh, was flowing, uh, thankfully supported by technique and knowing how to do, mm -hmm. to do things. So it came out, uh, a, in my opinion, an interesting uh, experiment that surprised also myself because uh, I was really inspired by what Marco Miraman did. So, uh, and they also commented uh, that it was uh, a nice uh, final result. Uh, what uh, I, think, I, think I just like the, I think it's just fun to improv, do improv. Cause I'm a big, you know, I think I, I talk about Frank Zappa, and Frank Zappa, like he was known that like he would never play any of his solos for any of his songs the same way, just because he would be bored, right? So he said like I could play it the same way, but I'm not because if I go play, I wrote this song and I own it and I'm going to do it the way I want. And the way I want to do it is every night I'm going to change it. And, and it, it was, uh, it was up, but basically it was the same uh, approach of uh, what are now the composers that uh, we say we cannot touch, but uh, there are historical proof that uh, Liszt, also Beethoven, Mozart, uh, when they were playing, uh, not only for the so-called cadence at the end of the concert and so on, but the music, uh, the music that they were playing their own music, uh, and uh, after a certain year, not only was something alive, something in continuous uh, uh, evolution. So yeah, composing changing, uh, is yeah. a dynamic. Uh, yes, is a dynamic process, and not something uh, like uh, most of uh, classical music world is something uh, let's say crystallized uh, in uh, something that cannot be changed, and. Uh, also, there is a way to put this at extreme, uh, considering uh, uh, something like a correct. I mean, for sure, there are practices in uh, playing a music of the past that are more correct and according to uh, that time, but basically not having uh, recordings of that. Uh, no one can. No one knows exactly what they exactly Something yeah. was performed and also. We have uh, a sheet music where, for example, in a music score, Stravinsky was uh, very precise in specifying mm -hmm. uh, what he wanted because quality uh, uh, was not trusting uh, who was going to play yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, if you see music scores uh, of uh, not only Bach, but also Mozart and so on, uh, they were uh, confident that uh, the musicians of the time mm -hmm. were knowing they the knew what they did, like yeah. in jazz. Yeah. But also that uh, was not something that you cannot uh, touch. 
is that they are very point in time. The nature of modular synthesizers is they every day they sound different. And what you do with a modular synth is you let the synth talk to you and you you use what it gives you. You don't try to control it and say, oh, I want to make you into something else. You, you take what it gives you and you go with it, right? So if, if today it gives me a certain sound, I might go with that and create a composition because that's the way it was behaving. And then the next day, my Moog might act a little different, so I'm gonna go a different direction. And it, it's very improvisational, it's very jazz-like. Um, and so it, a lot of a lot of us modular synthesis, we kind of like, oh, it's a painting. It's like, I'm gonna do, today I paint it, it's gonna be what I feel and what the instrument is giving me today. What it gives me tomorrow, I don't know. You know, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> But um, yeah, I just um, I, I always like to give a little bit of a description of of, of 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 you know how people come across things. But it's interesting what you brought in that you know the, everybody thinks classical music is has been is written on the page. It was played on the page, and you just pointed out that maybe it wasn't. Um, and that's I think that's really interesting. But uh, uh, the music score above all uh, before the let's call it the modern age. Uh, was a reference so yeah it's a reference because uh, there was an assumption that the musicians uh, knew this let's call them standards and uh, uh, modus operandi and uh, also because it was uh, a something alive so above all the composer itself uh, uh, knew its music beethoven was known uh, to be a great improviser and uh, himself wrote that when he was playing uh, in uh, uh, living room uh, concerts uh, of uh, uh, rich people. Uh, yeah, uh, custom, custom. No, I was doing on purpose. Uh, it was uh, enjoying the process of uh, bringing them to tears, thanks to his improvisation. And uh, it was, uh, let's say, making fun of this because uh, it was uh, uh, really aware of the process. Mm -hmm. So also list a great improviser. I mean, every great composer was also a great improviser. And so it is naive to believe that uh, when they were creating something uh, and proposing that in concert, uh, everything was exactly like the published music. Later, there was, of course, the market of uh, published music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so all uh, buying uh, the, the, the music and playing as it was written till arriving to the, the recordings, so where uh, things were recorded, uh, and uh, everything uh, went to extremes here and there. This is why I, I support uh, the idea of a musician that uh, studies and uh, uh, can have fun in doing covers. Basically, an orchestra is a huge cover band. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like a bar band. Of yes, I mean, there are, there are cover bands, cover bands of Metallica, 
and there are cover bands of more yeah, than the cover bands of the Beatles. Like, like, like to me, it's like <laughs> like there are cover bands of the Beatles, right? Like Beatlemania, yes. right? And then there's actually like Badfinger or like Big Star that actually, or you know, they took the Beatles sound and then made their own version so, of yeah. it. Right. Yes, because, uh, there are some versions actually that are even better than the original. So yeah, it's like uh, nowadays uh, playing Bach uh, on uh, the modern piano is not historically accurate, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, playing, uh, I mean, also the music of Beethoven itself on a modern piano is not uh, historically accurate. But everything uh, is evolving, and there is an important work uh, of uh, let's call it music archaeology, where uh, you're try to recover what uh, is nearer as possible. Uh, yeah, to the I think some people see their sound. Yeah. But uh, there is a revolution and also the, the world of synth, the huge possibilities that uh, nowadays we have, uh, the huge possibility that there are in post-production, in live concerts. So music, uh, like uh, humanity, is something that in continuous evolution uh, and uh, something dynamic alive. So putting... Uh, Thing, I mean, I am against putting things into fossils. Yeah, 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 I understand. Because one thing that's interesting that I like to talk to people about, and we'll probably have to close it because we've gone over an hour, but um, okay. when, when we get into the idea of like working in um, digital audio workstations, so do you do a lot of work like in a DAW or do you do mostly work in a studio? Do you, like, do you do a lot of work in your home studio within like Ableton or Pro Tools and then go to a big like professional studio and finish this song at the professional studio? No, so above all, uh, due to the pandemic and the lockdowns mm -hmm. that we were also here in Malta, I increased a lot of the, the work in my home studio that I also upgraded. And uh, basically, I record my piano with uh, two old five microphones, and I use uh, as interface uh, a Zoom F810 that I really love. As interface, mm -hmm. really powerful. I have also a Zoom H6N, which is actually the one I'm using as a microphone. But uh, yeah, this, uh, that, that's stream. a nice one. <laughs> and uh, in the Zoom F810, uh, it uh, takes the piano, the, the chronos, and uh, I depend according to what uh, I want to do. I use uh, massively uh, Cubase, okay, Cubase and, uh, and uh, Ableton also. Ableton. So plus uh, with uh, VST, uh, mainly um, Omnisphere, that mm -hmm. is uh, really interesting as uh, a range of possibilities, but also many things about modifying the sound of the piano can be done partially or totally with, within the chronos, uh, yeah. partially uh, filtering the sound uh, once uh, it, we have a row, so like uh, when you have a row file, uh, a row photo with uh, Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So it depends, it's according to my necessities. Yeah. So, but this is uh, the the main uh, uh, the main uh, chain with which uh, with which I work, and uh, also with which uh, the uh, latest uh, releases are done. It's also true that also during the pandemic, uh, to try to merge things, uh, I recorded home here in Malta, mm -hmm. also because there was a lockdown. And uh, for the mixing and mastering, uh, I based it on uh, a professional studio mm -hmm. in, in Italy. So it is a hybrid. So I didn't, uh, I mean, for small productions, small things, uh, 
uh, I do my own mixing and mastering and so on. But for works like Island or Black Ship, you go to a, a bigger studio. C sharp, yes. So uh, and I saw that uh, the compromise, uh, in my opinion, worked uh, in a really reasonable way because uh, nowadays uh, they they can be compromised. Above all, uh, I'm lucky to work with a very good sound engineer. So, but. Uh, is a really game changer in some cases. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting that the home studios today, you can capture so much, you know, I, you can capture a lot of your ideas, right, at home and pretty good quality. And, you know, and then once you, you get to the mastering, it's a different skill. Like a recording engineer, they go to school for that. There's a certain skill level to that. And, you know, trying to do what they do, you know, I'm I'm the artist. You know, they're 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 like that's an art in itself. Um, yes, so and this is this is why I don't uh, pretend to like <laughs> for an island. I don't pretend ah, I do everything and uh, no, because of course I do for the pre-production. But yeah, yeah. for uh, important works, despite the pandemic and uh, lockdowns, thanks also to modern technology and the possibilities. Uh, of uh, file sizes. Uh, yeah, there's, the yeah, there's a lot of stuff so you can right? do. I mean, if you get, I mean, I've bought a bunch of equipment over the years that allow me to, you know, I can get like, you know, Neve audio processing. That's a lot of what a recording engineer is going to do. He's going to use a Neve board and he's going to run it through a bunch of Neve equipment. He's going to get a really good sound. Like it came out of Sound City. And that kind of, I, that kind of references there was this big analog Neve board, famous board for recording in um, in like Los Angeles, right? And Fleetwood Mac and uh, a bunch of big bands used it, uh, like uh, Tom Petty used it. And it, it, this is a phenomenal analog mixing council. And I think the Foo Fighters own it now. They actually bought it. it, it it's an analog board. It's not a digital board. And it had a sound quality that created like Fleetwood Mac's like rumors out. If you listen to that album, it sounds phenomenal. It has a, like a sound in it that and you also listen to Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. It has a certain sound. Um, and you know, even Nirvana's first record was recorded there. And so it, there's a certain le level of sound that comes off of that stuff, the, the processing that's used to do that. And it's like it's a certain skill set, but it's also the equipment. <laughs> you know, like I'm a big believer, I guess, in some analog equipment. I would say there's certain analog equipment that creates a sound that is like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's legendary. Like, it, it, there's certain microphones that if you're a singer, you want to use that mic, like a C414 or U57, there's certain th SM57, there's certain things in music. That like you gotta go to the studio because you don't have it. Yes. You don't have yes. Yeah. <laughs> like for yeah. me using uh, some Neumann, that will be really out of budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess like I, I can't get like a twenty five thousand dollar mic. I don't have the money for that. <laughs> yes, no, definitely no. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you. You know, so I was like, I guess I can't have that. I'm like, I have a virtual version of it, but you know, it's not the same. But yes. I thank you very much for being on the program, Leonardo. Uh, Thank we've you, got you for the invitation, Phantom. I really appreciated this uh, chat, and that was really inspiring. So, really, thank you. Well, we want to let everybody know we've got the website link to your website. So, anything new you're pushing, everybody, you know, go to the website because your new single is going to be like the, you'll have a link there, right? 
Yes, yes, there is the link in a new release in albums where will be this single that will be out uh, on a Wednesday and uh, it will be this collaboration with uh, Marco Mineman. So if you don't know who Marco Mineman is, go to check uh, his music. Go check it out. Really a god level uh, drummer, an impressive drummer. So I'm very happy to release uh, this, uh, this small collaboration. So that's like next Wednesday? Uh, yes. This, uh, yeah, so everybody, yeah, so everybody should everybody t check out the link on here. There's a permanent link. You can't click on it, but go and type it out. And 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 on Wednesday, go check that out. Go buy it, download it, stream it, tell other people about it. Because this right. is one thing we we <laughs> tell everybody that like, if you're into a musician, you should not only stream it. You should download it. You should buy it. You should tell other people. You should hit the like button, right? You should follow the artist. You should subscribe to their channel because in the same way that you follow a YouTuber, you know, treat musicians in the same way. Subscribe to them, donate to them, buy their merch, buy their T-shirts, buy whatever they're selling on their website because that's how you support musicians because it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of effort going into everybody um, that is a musician. And everybody we talk to, we always tell people, if you love the musicians that you listen to, support them. And that's just the last little lesson for today. Totally agree. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good. Thank you very much for being on. And uh, we'll hope to talk to you again. Uh, and uh, it was great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye.